It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills, the mic, alongside Joe Medora on this third, or this eighth day of March. 6.06 on the clock and 58 degrees and sunny outside in southeast Ohio. The days get a little bit longer. It's still sunny outside when we start the sports fan, and we are still in the postseason tournament, Joey. Trimble Tomcats advancing into the regional semifinals. And that game's going to be on Power 105 tomorrow starting at 5.15. That's a, uh, that's a good sign. They persevered over Leesburg Fairfields on Saturday. And uh, just a, again, a, a nice, nice way to start off our week here because we're still in it. We got one lone Athens County team. We got a couple of uh, TVC Ohio teams and TVC Hawking teams uh, in the Wildcats of Waterford. The Lady Wildcats are uh, still in the fate, uh, state Final Four, as are the Vinton County Vikings um, in the state Final Four. So congratulations go out to uh, Coach side. Bentley. Yeah, on the girls' side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coach Bentley and, of course, uh, Coach Jerry Close. Uh, but those are, again, it's not every year that you get to make the state tournament. It seems like if you're with Waterford, it is, uh, <laughs> especially on the girls' side. But, you know, now you got two TVC teams in it, and uh, with the Tomcats just two wins away, anything can happen. Remember on Hardwood a couple of years ago, you had a debate on uh, who was the better <laughs> girls' team in Vinton County or Waterford, right? That was, a, that was, was a segment, you and Tyler Corbett? Yep, yeah, Corbett and I debated it. And I said, all right, well, just wait until you get a ring, and uh, th then you can get into the conversation, right? And uh, Waterford, they do have a ring. Do they have two state titles or one? I can't remember. You, were the, um, you worked for the team, man. I don't know. I worked for well, WLUB. Well, well, it wasn't my job to know that. Well, I, listen, I can't remember off the top of my head how many titles. They, they at least have one, and I think they've been there three times, and they won one title. I could be wrong. Is but this, they at this least year being the third time or fourth time? Now this, I'm not counting. The, so they so they've been this season. They've been in the state final four three times. My my sophomore year of college, I'm, I've since graduated. Yep, the, walk the, it back. The Lady Wildcats went uh, runner-ups, champions, runner-ups, and they were looking to to go back and, and to be a champion at that time. And I don't think that they were. So they at least have one state title within the last four or five years. And that's, uh, again, impressive that you know, you've been able to sustain that high level of success uh, on any side, whether it's men's or women's basketball or boys or girls basketball. Um, but right now, it's a fun time of the season, right? Because you have baseball coming around the corner. You've got the postseason tournaments in high school basketball. And now you're just entering into the postseason tournaments for collegiate basketball. So right now you're getting everything into the postseason. Basketball heavy time of the year. Very heavy. Uh, whenever March rolls around. Very heavy. Uh, but it's it's good, right? Because it was a 59 to 48 win for Trimble over Fairfield. Trimble picked up the 20th win of the season. Fairfield now 10 and 12 on their season. They came to a close. It was a good team, Joe, but they just did not have the the physicality that it takes uh, to defeat a, a Tomcat team. Nah, you, you hit the nail on the head. But I, we do have to give this team. In Fairfield, credit. I mean, what the what the Lions had to do. Got it off to an easy start with Miller. Uh, got a nice, easy win there. But to be in 11 C like they did, especially this year, not playing at the neutral sites, so them having to travel to Ironton to play St. Joseph's, winning that one on the road, 
by double digits. Then they come all the way here, a couple-hour trip to Stewart to knock off Federal Hawking by double digits on the road. I mean, this is a pretty impressive run for them to get to their second straight district title. Just unfortunately for them, they once again ran into an extremely good, physical, extremely well-coached Trimble team. But that Fairfield team, you know, we talk about how Trimble only had five. Uh, uh, it doesn't have a senior on the roster. Five juniors are their starters, and everybody else is, I think, freshmen on the team if they're not a junior. Um, but this team only graduates one of their uh, starting five this year, and I believe it was the Priest kid, and, you know, he wasn't that big of an impact on their offense. But that Teeters guy, uh, every time it looked like Trimble was about to blow it open and, you know, get out to maybe a 12, 15, 18-point lead, that kid would come down and knock down a three and then get a foul on top of it, and all of a sudden they'd be right back in the game. It's down to a six, four-point game. They were just able to keep it close most of the way, mainly through him. But the adjustments that Coach Caldwell made in that fourth quarter, because, I mean, he knocked down a three with about seven minutes left, and I don't think he took another shot until there was about a minute left on the clock, and the game was pretty much already in hand at that point. Trimble was up by 12 and shooting free throws. So just the adjustment, because he knew that was the kid that was going to kill him down the stretch. He was the one keeping Fairfield in the game the whole way. And we know Coach Caldwell's a great coach, but to make that adjustment to focusing the defense on him and kind of let anybody else beat you because there was really nobody else out on the floor. I mean, that Zink kid had eight points. Uh, Zimmerman, the point guard, he had six. But nobody else really made big contributions. It was Teeters with 25. Uh, that kid's good, and he'll be back next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see perhaps a third straight time, depending on, you know, how the seedings work out. We see these two teams in the district final because they're both young, and both extremely well coached, play very disciplined. But at the end of the day, Trimble, you know, once they found out that they could go on the block and Fairfield really had no prayer in stopping Guffier Downs, I mean, it was over. They went, they, I don't think they shot, a, it didn't feel like they shot a three the entire second half. Right. And they were you know, kind of decent shooting threes. I mean, they shot five threes in the game. Uh, Teeters had three of them. Collins had one and Priest had one. Um, you know, for the Tomcats, uh, just Weiser had one and Freeborn had one. And Freeborn hit a pretty big one from the right corner, uh, which which looked nice. I mean, but that's just not the Tomcats game, right? I mean, they're going to shut you down from behind the arc. Yeah. And then they're I mean, going they to drive. they shot four threes the whole yeah. game. <laughs> I mean, it's. Which is, you know, basketball across the board, all levels. That's, you know, you don't really see that too often anymore. It's all about, you know, launching up a high volume of threes. I mean, Fairfield did it. They shot 22 of them. Yep. Yep. Well, the Tomcat defense was able to shut them down and. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm impressed with the way, not only, you know, the way that they play defense and they're able to score and just find ways to win, um, but when you have a team that is not very deep on the bench, you know, sometimes maybe you run into the risk of, you know, fouling out, you know, picking up, you know, four or five fouls. I don't think anybody on the Tomcats had four fouls in that game on Saturday. I think Guff, or not, uh, I think Dixon might have gotten to four, but other than that, and, and that was with what, about a minute to go yeah. or something? Like and also, was, with, when it comes to that, you know, they play so physical. Sometimes you just run into a couple of those fouls. You're going for a, you're going for a loose ball. You bump into somebody, get slapped with a foul. You're diving hard for a rebound, knock somebody over. That's the way they play. And sometimes that can lead to guys getting high volumes of fouls. And, you know, Downs had some foul troubles early on in the year where he would get four in about the third quarter. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, they've really kind of avoided getting in that situation all season long, despite the fact that, I mean, I think until they rolled out the bench at the end, only six guys played. I don't think Clarence Jones came off the bench at any point during that game. Freeborn nope. would come in at spurts, but even he, every now and then, it's funny, 
<laughs> Caldwell will, you know, run Weiser or run Weber off the court for like 30 seconds, get in their ear, give them an earful, <laughs> and then just send them right back to the bench, and Freeborn has to trot right back off. So it's, it's yeah. pretty funny how that works out. And Freeborn does well when, it, when he's playing. Yeah. You know, I mean, Freeborn went out there and hit a big three. He did. So <laughs> he's also very good defensively. Yeah. yeah. They got six guys who can uh, who can play. And, you know, we, Troy's been saying this for a while now. You know, the best teams, they, they play their best six guys, and that's who they roll with, especially in Division Four, where, you know, you're not seeing teams roll out with, the, you know, ten guys like a federal hawking and try to play with that many. They just roll out their best five, six guys, and they go beat you with that. That's what Fairfield did as well, not very deep. I mean, they had to go a little bit deeper into the bench. They did kind of run into some foul issues uh, in that second half. But, I mean, just what a what – a, what a game plan in the second half. Once, he realized, once we realized that Guffey could get to the rim at will and nobody was going to stop him, you know, Fairfield kind of, every time Guffey got the ball on the block, they'd shift everybody over to where he was, and that allowed him with his great vision, he had five assists in the game, to drop the ball off to, to, uh, yeah, Downs. to Downs, who yeah. also had a, I mean, that was probably the best game I've seen him play this year uh, for I Downs. I thought so, too. I mean, Downs... And, and that's not saying, you know, Downs has, has been bad. I mean, he's been tremendous. I mean, he's been the guy who stepped up after he graduated a couple seniors last year. You know, he's been the guy who's really stepped up into that one big leadership role. And you know, even though he's not a quote-unquote center, right, he's the guy who's going to be physical. He's going to try to position himself, yep. you know, pretty well to get those rebounds. And then, you know, I even praised, you know, his IQ out on the court because, you know, he was, I think it was a rebound or something that was on the left side of the court, and you know, instead of turning the ball over or, or whatever it was, you know, he just looked behind him, found somebody, bounced it off their legs, and uh, and got the ball right back. I mean, he's just a, a high IQ player. He plays hard nosed, uh, and you know what? Sometimes the points aren't there for him, but when you need him, he scored the points. He went four four, uh, I believe, at the free throw line, and uh, you know, 18 points. I mean, it's it's just tremendous. You know, the play from Downs, but that. His play was a big part of why the Tomcats won, right? Without him, I don't think Trimble is this far in the postseason or even this far in their season. Yeah, he's a big part of it for sure. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, he's like five foot ten, and, you know, he's basically playing at the forward position, sometimes at center because Guffey is such a good dribbler. I mean, Guffey could play point guard himself if, <laughs> if uh, you know, he had to, honestly, with uh, – with his ball skills, but you know, it's interesting. They have a, I mean, they need everybody. Everybody's key in, in what they do. I mean, Tucker Dixon, he hasn't always put up the most points, but he's always great defensively. I mean, I, I've seen him rattle some of the best kids in the area this year guarding him. Uh, and he went out there in the third quarter, but he came back out, played tough, did a really good job uh, in that one. But, and then you had Weber. He came in, I think he had nine on the game, had some big shots open the game up with uh, the opening layup. So you have him. I mean, when you can get Wiser going from three, you know, they didn't really need him that much in this game. But, you know, obviously I've seen games where he can all of a sudden put up, you know, 20, 30 points. So, I mean, it's really all of them. Uh, but we, I mean, we just, I, I can't say enough about what Blake Guffey can do on the basketball court. I mean, first of all, have you ever seen anybody time, you know, a jump for a rebound consistently? better than Blake Guffey does? Not a whole I lot mean, of people it, it's, know. it's like every single time the ball comes off the rim, he knows exactly where it's going and exactly how high he needs to get up to go get it. I mean, every time they, every time another team puts up a shot, he 
is getting the ball off the rim and, you know, going back up, getting fouled or, you know, getting a layup or getting an M1 opportunity because he's just, I mean, he's a fantastic receiver on the football field, so it makes sense. But, I mean, the way he could track a ball off the rim, you know, it, it's, it's quite impressive. Um, and you kind of saw Downs starting to do it as well. And if they get both of those guys down on the block and you just can't get the ball back after you, you know, finally force them to miss a shot, I mean, they'll kill you all game down low. And Guffey, he had a, t- he had a tougher, you know, he had 22, but he could have had more. He left some points out there on the table, honestly. He missed some that I'm sure he would have told you uh, he would have liked to have back. Uh, easy shots around the rim that just kind of rimmed out. But, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes the ball can play a factor into that or, you know, you just get unlucky. But, I mean, if he hit some of those other layups that he had, you know, he could have had 30, 35 points in that game, honestly. And I think they could have won by a lot more. But, um, you know, I told you at the Fed Hawk game, I was like, I feel like Trimble's, you know, can beat this team by double digits. I really do. And, you know, Again, props to Fairfield. They battled and hung in tough most of the way there. I mean, it wasn't until about, you know, three minutes in the fourth quarter is when Trimble started to open up a little bit more. But the problem with Fairfield is, and I talk about this on the broadcast, they they just, they're really good in their half-court offense and they get really good looks and they're willing to pass the ball around uh, until they get that look. They would struggle if there was a shot clock involved um, in in, uh, sport because, I mean, God, they had possessions that were like 40, 50, seconds to a minute long yeah i mean fairfields and that's why when they got down by like eight i was like i don't know if they can make this up because they take so long to get get a good shot on every possession yeah lions just uh you know they, they didn't really have a whole lot of other people except for teeters right i mean with, with trimble you had you know defensive play at dixon but down scoring 18 Weber had nine, Weiser with five, Guppy with the 22 points that he had. You know, like, Teeters just kind of did everything. There was really never a go-to number two guy. And uh, maybe it was that 11, maybe it was Zimmerman who scored six points. But, you know, it it just wasn't, uh, they didn't have a a go-to guy because you had the pairing between, you know, Guffey and Downs. But you really didn't have anybody else except for Teeters who would make a move you know, maybe he'd get a, a two-point jumper somewhere. I mean, he was almost enough <laughs> he was all almost, by himself. Yeah, he almost was enough. Um, and if they did have somebody else, maybe we're, we're saying a different story here on this Monday. But still, uh, Teeters was talented. They just didn't really have anybody really around him. And Trimble just played the ultimate team game. And when you do that, it's pretty hard to beat the Tomcats. Yeah, I mean, that Teeters kid, uh, you know, he scored over 20 points in every single one of their playoff games. I mean, he was he was the guy for them this this season. He was an honorable mes- honorable mention, excuse me, all district player. So you know you knew going in that he was going to be the guy that they were going to have to ride. But like I said, I mean, there were times where he was just kind of willing them back in the game all by himself. Didn't really seem like anybody else really scored in the second half for Fairland. Um, but yeah, once uh, you know once Coach uh, Caldwell figured that out, he uh, you know did a good job implementing a game plan to focus in on shutting him down. And then next thing you know, we're talking about the Tomcats as back-to-back district champs. Yeah. Three years in a row, you go to the district title. Two years, you come away as district champs. And well, now you... Since Howie's been there, they've won four of seven. Was that was that what it was? Four of seven. And that's district championships? Yeah, I think it was... Let's see, because they won in 15-16... And then 2021. 19, and 20 and 21, yeah. Yeah, they'd been there in 19, but lost. 
won it in 20, won it this year in 21. So he's 4-1 in district championships since getting the Trimble? I think so. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I got all the information. I don't have my prep in front of me, but uh, just off the top of my head, I believe they got it in 15, 16, and then nothing in 17 or 18. And then after that, you know, 19 they made it, lost. 20 they made it and won. And then uh, this Saturday they made it and won. Yeah. But now the next step, you know, is let's let's see what they can do in the regions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because you win the districts, you know, that at this point it seems like it's almost routine, right? right. Three straight years you're there. Now yeah. let's see what this group of guys can do in the regional semis. Right. I mean, they didn't get past that point, obviously, last year because, you know, uh, the season got shut down. But they did, they did lose in the semis last year. They did complete their season, and then in the regional finals is when everything got shut down. Oh, that's right. That's yep. right. Yeah, my bad. But uh, I think they got a lucky draw when it came to who they're going to play in the bracket. They avoided the Columbus uh, district there and then said they get Highland, who, you know, is there, they're a team that looking at, you know, scores and stuff, you know, what we say is if there's a team with size – that could really uh, give Trimble some issues. And Troy talks about it all the time. The way to beat Trimble is what Alexander did. Uh, get it to your big guys. Have a good point guard like the Augustino. It's not easy to have three good players <laughs> to uh, to go ahead and beat Trimble. And you got to kind of play similar style of offense to what, you know, uh, Fairfield did. You got to be able to slow the game down. Uh, don't look to push and try to play the Tomcats pace because if it turns into a track meet that favors Trimble, they like to get out and run and force turnovers and get out on the break. And that's when, you know, I mean, when Guffey gets going with a full head of steam, he's like a freight train coming down the lane, honestly. So you got to be able to slow the game down. And it seems like this team does play that style of ball to where they make it a possession-by-possession possession game. They don't score very many points. They don't give you very much either. I mean, they... In their couple of playoff games, they've given up 27 and 43 points. And they've only scored 46 and 48, so the offense hasn't really been coming, but they've been playing pretty solid defense. They're not a team with a bunch of size, nothing too different than what you know they just saw in Fairfield, because Fairfield had a couple guys who were 6'2", 6 6'3", 6 right. but we still saw Guffey and Downs were still dominant down low because you know, they just were way more physical. Right. So we'll see. It should be, uh, should be quite a matchup. You know, obviously Highland doesn't really play any teams in the TVC or around this area, so not really any common opponents to compare. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Because sometimes you don't want to know who you're going against. Sometimes you do. I mean, as a coaching staff, you might be, you want to be a little bit more familiar with them. But, you know, as players, it's not the bad thing to just play different people every now and then. You know, you're very familiar and you've been dominating the TVC Hawking. And, I mean, you got the win in, uh, in the TVC Ohio. So... You know, maybe it's it's not a bad thing to go outside and you saw Leesburg Fairfield last year, right? So that team was kind of familiar. But if you go out and as a player, yeah, you might want to play somebody that that's not uh, a team that you've been playing all season long or a team like you've been playing all season long. But either way, you know, the, this Tomcat team is going to be out there and going to be ready. Um, you mentioned heights. They've got they being uh, Highland Hawks. They've got two guys. We're listed as 6'2", a couple listed at 6 foot. But at 6'2", they've got a senior guard in Hunter Summers and then a 6'2 uh, forward uh, by a guy named Ryan Miller. So they got Miller and they've got Summers who are listed as 6'2". 
and then everybody else is six foot or below, uh, not including the six foot one Caden Miller. Well, I hope those big guys are ready to uh, box out uh, <laughs> because yeah. they're going to have to because Guffey and Downs have been, you know, glass eaters all season long, especially on the offensive end. So, you know, you got to be ready to play a physical game, and we're going to see if this, uh, if this Hawks team uh, is up for it. I, mean, I would imagine, you know, we're getting to the point where these teams are all good at this point, and I believe Highland was, what, a three seed coming out of their region? I think so. District, whatever whatever freaking point we are at with all these titles <laughs> of different... Districts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to see. Uh, 5.30, a little bit weird, you know, afternoon game. Yep. Uh, I mean, Trimble did get one of those out of the way. They play at 1 o'clock back on Saturday. So, you know, hopefully they'll be used to that. Another hour trip for them. Um, they actually, we actually had to travel longer than uh, Fairfield ended up having to for the last game. But uh should be fun. If only oh. Federal Hockey would have won, we just would have went 10 minutes up the road to Nelsonville, York. But <laughs> Yeah, but that's... Uh... It was a nice gym at Waverly. I'll give them that. It was. You know, yeah. I, I like the gym. They had I mean, a it was nice... called the Downtown Arena. There wasn't much uh, downtown. downtown around it, but but hey, you know they, it was a they, nice gym though. They sure. made it happen, right? And uh, that's all you got to do at this point. You're still playing high school basketball. You're still playing in the postseason, and uh, you know the cliche: anything can happen now. But a lot of good teams. You know who's the best? That's what they're. Uh, that's what they're playing to find out. Well. Highland team only averages about 55 a game. Trimble 65. Both give up about the same amount of points per game down in the 40s. I don't know. I, I feel like we're going to see uh, a lower scoring type of game this time around. Trimble's been pretty consistent getting to 60-70 this season. Uh, there's been times they got had some off nights, only scored around 50. But I don't know. I, I, just seeing the way this Hawks team has held a lot of opponents to, you know, below 50 points this year, and Trimble is more than capable of doing that as well. I feel like we might see a defensive battle tomorrow. Trimble gets to 50 points. Do they win? I'm going to go with yes. I think so. I, I think so, too. I think if they get held under that, though, it, it uh, could get tough. First to 50 wins. I would, that's yeah, our prediction. That's what I would say, yeah. All right, so Tomcats. And and I don't know the... if either one's going to get there, but... Right. I mean, hopefully somebody gets there. You'd like to see some offense instead of just pass, 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 shoot, miss, rebound, pass. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd like to see something a little bit more exciting. but Yeah, I uh, mean, Trimble... You however know, you win it, that's that's fine. Just go out there and win the ball game. And while Trimble can be very good in their half-court offense, I mean, as we know, they do like to get out and run and push it on the break. Right. We've got to take a short break. Claire Geary, one of the voices of Ohio women's basketball, is going to join us at 6.30 and talk a little bit about the Ohio women's basketball team, especially since C.C. Hooks... Back player of the week and also scored the second ever triple-double in Ohio women's basketball history. All that coming up and more as you're listening to the Sports Fan presented by J.K. Contracting on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. 
In today's world, the last thing you need is a broken cell phone. If you've got equipment in need of repair, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair is here to help. Athens Electronic Repair services all brands of electronics, cell phones, tablets, game systems, and more. Plus, during the health crisis, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair offers home pickup and delivery and a contact-free drop-off kiosk outside the store. Don't work from home with a busted computer? Call Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair at 740-590-1677 or visit the shop at 386 Richland Avenue, Athens. Hi, I'm Kim, and this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's really not it's the, not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really... <laughs> I don't know. Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics and all aspects of healthy living. Well, we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. There are buns, and then there are McDonald's buns, like the warm steamed buns the filet of fish is served on, fluffy and perfect. Or the three layers of buns topped with sesame seeds with two beef patties sandwiched in between to make the Big Mac classic. And McDonald's buns are reserved for the very best. And you, now mix and match the filet of fish or Big Mac. Get any two for just $5. But up, 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 Price and participation may vary. Limited time only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal, single item, at regular price. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. This is the sports fan. On 970 WATH. Back inside for the sports fan, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills on the mic with Joe Medor up until 7 o'clock today on 970 WATH. And joining us, one of the voices of Ohio women's basketball on 1340 WOUB, Claire Geary joins the sports fan. Claire, how are you? Good. How are you? This is so cool. Did I'm you, so excited. Did you purposely leave I the Tiger on during her introduction there? or? <laughs> well, no. That, it, we get a little, listen, I wish that we could have a little bit of like a music bed. Some, any time no, we get cool. music. No, it's cool. I liked how it worked out there. I, yeah. It's just you haven't done you that You feel before. like a big superstar. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't deserve I of the Tiger. <laughs> we got a lot of songs in there. Thankfully, uh, it was Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, I mean, there's not. You could. You got a pretty lucky draw there. For yeah. Connor to pull that Honestly. out for the first time. <laughs> and what do you think about the Bobcats here, Claire? Do they have a lucky draw against Ball State coming up in this uh, postseason tournament for the Mid American Conference? I don't really have a good read on this women's team because you know, they've been as high as you know getting a, a, uh, an AP vote, and then they've been as low as you know maybe losing to a, a Ball State uh, in overtime. But what what is your take? on this team heading into the Mid-American Conference Tournament? I think what we saw this weekend was a good indication of where we could be potentially. Um, obviously, we split the series against Ball State. We lost in overtime at home. It was an unfortunate loss. Things just couldn't connect quite right. And Bolden obviously had mentioned that in post-game interviews. And then they demolished Ball State on the road by 20 points. I think 22 was the gap between the two. Right. It, it was you know, we've seen this team's way back and forth and drawing the third seed I think is lucky on that part because the way that this season has worked out has just been a series of unfortunate events and watching them overcome so many challenges such as COVID and then we've had so many injuries. Watching the bench succeed this weekend is what proves the tenacity of this team going into Wednesday's game. And yeah. what 
what is the uh, what is the health report right now? Right, because we saw that Erica Johnson got her way back out onto the court last game. Uh, is she fully healthy? And, and what are the other uh, Bobcat women's basketball players look like right now? Um, so Johnson, from what I could see, was playing at what I'd call seventy five percent. She was out there playing when she needed to be, right? So from my perch underneath where Brad and Logan would sit, Brad Walker and Logan LaDuke on color and play-by-play, I sit right behind the bench, right next to the where the concourse seating would end. And Erica was powering through on the bike, trying to keep her legs warm. But anytime she stepped out onto the court, it was like a, it was a run with a hop a little bit. So that's what I considered 75% because she'd get on these runs after a rebound and try and look to make the basket. And she just would basketball, or she'd just baseball pass at the CC down the court because she couldn't run. Um, so she's working through some stuff, and she's always been cautious when it comes to coming back on injury. Uh, we should have Kate and Kroll, Caitlin Kroll back. She wasn't feeling too hot with COVID and went through the protocols, obviously, but she was back on the court supporting our team without a mask on. Um, obviously, she's with the team and has the antibodies now, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Kaylee Bambule should be expected to come back as well when it comes to her injury because it wasn't it wasn't a major one, but if they could have played someone else in, in, in place of her to give her that extra time on top of healing up going into Wednesday, the less movement, the better. Um, you still want to get your shots in during shoot-around practices and such, but expect Bambule and Caitlin Kroll to be back for sure. Um, even CeCe Hooks was nursing an injury coming off of the Akron game and at one point, Brad mentioned that you thought you were going to be out four starters, and they weren't, luckily, but um, they obviously dropped the ball against Akron. So expect Kroll, Bambule, and potentially Erica, too, to come back. And I don't think Erica's going to make a full appearance, but I think we'll see her in moments such as what we saw um, on Saturday of going in, picking up, being the team leader, getting the team back on their feet mentally on the court, and then letting them do their job and come back off and get some rest. Yeah, absolutely, Claire. And, you know, having Erica back is going to be huge for this team uh, coming down the stretch here. But, you know, something we can't forget to mention from from this game back on Saturday, uh, second ever triple-double in program history from C.C. Hooks. I mean, I, I think I've, I've run out of good things to say about her at this point. <laughs> I mean, just like just watching her play. I mean, it just looks like she's playing at a different speed than everybody else. Ten steals. I mean, you, like, that's such a strange stat to get a triple-double on with steals. But, uh she was able to do it, and I mean, just talk about, you know, how important she is for this team, and I mean, just the impact she's had on this program, because, you know, th- this run that they've gone on in the past few years here is not something normal that they've seen uh, with with this women's basketball team throughout their history. No, and Cece is this light for the team, and her and Erica together, I mean, you can't have Cece, I mean, we've seen Cece do it alone, but it, she mentioned it in the post-game um, interview when she first scored her first, or when she scored her triple double against. Or Erica had the first triple double in Ohio history, and then got to witness it and be on the court with Cece during the second triple double of Ohio history. Together, they're best friends, and the undeniable chemistry between the two on the court is what really propels the girls to try and make themselves better. Because Cece and Erica can just read each other. I mean, there was at one point a no-look pass that was a split-second decision that Erica took, and it resulted in a basket and two-pointer, you know, two points made and added to the board that CeCe took. And it's like, how do they just decide that? Is 
it's impressive to watch it. CC is an incredible player, and we're all, I think Ohio's lucky to have Erica, Gabby, CC, Hunter Rogan, um, who else graduated? There was, I think, five or six grads that walked out onto the court during our senior day. Right. But they're all coming back to play a fifth year, and Bolden has to be more than thankful for the girls he recruited because mm. you would have thought that you're going to pull up a 2,000-point score and have two triple-double players on your team that are also best friends and have an undeniable chemistry besides on the court. So it, it's, it's so crazy to watch, and you put the words right out, of my out, right out of my mouth. You can only say so many good things about her, and I would hope that she goes to the WNBA someday because she's putting up numbers unlike any other player in the MAC. I mean, she's second nationally in scoring points per game, and no one can touch her within the Mid-American Conference. Yeah, it's just under 27 a game that she's been averaging this year, which is crazy to think about. And uh, just looking at this Ball State matchup, it's quite interesting because, as you mentioned, they had to slip up at home where they lost that game in overtime. But when they went on the road to Ball State, they played maybe their best game of the season and just, you know, kind of kicked them to the curb pretty easily there. So I think you've got to feel, you know, despite everything that's kind of gone on, the slip up with Akron, the COVID situation, you know, they got to have a pretty good feeling. Now, if Coach, you know, Coach Bolden's never going to let this team uh, relax in any way, but you got to hope that you know they're going to have some kind of swagger about them, knowing that the last time they stepped on the floor with this team, I mean, it was one of their best games of the season. And I think something that we also have to take into consideration about these girls is that they really felt like they had a chance last year at the Mid American Conference tournament. Luckily, mm-hmm. I was able to be part of that storyline as a sideline reporter until the world went dark and got <laughs> sick. Um, but when the first, when the top two seeds got knocked out of the conference, it felt like the doors were wide open for Ohio to run away and get the ship and then go to the big dance. And right. Then everything got canceled, so there's even more of a chip on their shoulder walking into Cleveland knowing that they've been there before. Not only that, they have the experience between their team um, making it to the conference in the last three years, and it's something that they're comfortable with. Granted, you can never be too comfortable when it comes to basketball. Bolden knows this. The girls know this. But at the same time, it's a leg up that they have three 1,000-point scorers, one 2,000-point scorer, and two of those 1,000-point scorers having triple-doubles within the last two years. So a very strong offensive team and experience of being in that arena just helps the emotions going into it not feel so overwhelming and like you have a grasp of what you're about to walk into. Yeah, absolutely. And I think coming into this uh, kind of tournament, the talk is... It's kind of Bowling Green and then the field at this point. Uh, and I know you, I, uh, you know, I don't think Ohio had Erica Johnson the first time these two teams played, but it just kind of looks like that uh, Bowling Green is just kind of in a class of their own this year uh, in the MAC. But outside of them, who do you think provides the biggest roadblock potentially for Ohio trying to make this run that they've been wanting to these past couple of years now? Um. I think the biggest roadblock I'm looking at, I potentially could think, it it could be any of them, honestly. Mm -hmm. The eight seeds that were were selected and got in, every team has had bouts with and have dropped some to other teams. And it's so interchangeable with just Bowling Green staying at the top. Every other seed could be, you know, Ohio could have been eight. But, you know, in reality, they're not really, they would have been the eighth seed in theory. It's just all of these teams are so good. Mm-hmm. I think in my head to answer the question, though, it would be Northern Illinois. And I know they're the seventh seed, but 
they've already upset Central Michigan once, and that was on Central Michigan's home court. So we know Northern has the potential to make noise against good teams. I mean, they upset Bowling Green as well and put Bowling Green's first loss on the season. Mm -hmm. So I think Northern Illinois is the dark horse to watch out for in this tournament just because they've already beat the one and the two seeds in this season. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of similar on the men and women's side this year. Mac is pretty deep when it comes to basketball this year. I mean, on the men's side, it's like Toledo and everybody else, not Bowling Green. But, you know, the two through eight, much like on the women's side, like it just seems like any one of the teams can get hot and end up finding themselves in the championship game and maybe even finding themselves knocking off that number one team. Right, and Bolden mentioned that with uh, post-game interviews that Brad Logan and I have conducted that he thinks we have the best team in the MAC when it comes to a roster standpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, COVID has, you know, put some challenges on here that <laughs> most people wouldn't understand unless you're a student athlete going through it, and have they've overcame it, and they're luckily the third seed after so much work and tenacity. I mean, they also lost Peyton Geis versus Western Michigan way earlier in the season, about a month and a half ago. So they definitely won't have her, and she was one of your starting five as well. So you're already playing four out of five starters, missing that one piece that you ideally want to go into this tournament with. But Bolden thinks that they have the best roster and certainly proves in a numbers-wise. It's just a matter of making sure everything connects and playing a full game of basketball. I mean, if we're looking at Ohio's last game against uh, Miami, they lost the third quarter by a point, which in theory should it didn't make much of a difference because they outscored them in three out of the four. But playing all four quarters, making sure you win each quarter to the best of your abilities is, I think, what they need to do because we've seen, especially in the first quarter of last game, Ohio came off really hot. We They started with a 6-0 and run. Miami called the timeout, and then they come out, and Miami starts putting buckets up. Granted, Miami was incredible outside on the three-point line like it, i don't know how because <laughs> they're one of the lowest three-point shooting teams in the mac and they were the last one in the conference and they just kept heading outside the arc and ohio just couldn't connect and they got you know they shook in their boots a little bit about what was going on and found things again because cc and erica finally got to be back on to the court and that's when the chemistry started pulling back in the girls and we saw the tenacity come back out, but little things like that shouldn't rattle them, and I think that's what they need to focus on going into Cleveland. Hey, Claire, I want to circle back with you to CeCe Hooks for a little bit because the, the season that she's having is just one of the best you know, in, in school history. Right now, uh, you know, before the, the stats and everything were updated, um, you know, CeCe was starting the season with 1,569 points. Obviously, she's now above 2,000. Uh, she's second all-time in scoring right behind Carolyn Mast. Uh, in points per game, Mast leads uh, by 21.9 points per game. But CC Hooks this year is scoring 26.3 points per game. And uh, she's also on the rebounding list and, and a couple other things. But in, in your opinion, where does this season by CC Hooks and where does her career rank among you know, some of the all-time players for Ohio women's basketball? I mean, if we're talking purely numbers at the top, I mean, she's obviously above Caroline Mass when it comes to points per game, and she's outdoing her by, like, what, five points, you said, that CC has 20, just under 27, and Caroline Mass is, like, 21 points something. Yep. If I'm, yep, so she's top in that category. Um, I think she deserves to be the top Ohio scorer. Eventually she will be if she stays for her fifth year. She's more than going to surpass. 
Caroline Mack. I don't know what the exact numbers are between the two right now, but give her another season. And if they end up making it to the big dance, we could watch that happen this season. You know, I mean, in theory, yeah. if this team goes all the way, we could watch this happen. And that's insane to think about because Caroline Mack's number is hanging at the top of the convocation center. <laughs> and this girl has still a yet another season to go. And it's, it's crazy to think about that we have this kind of a player on Ohio basketball. I mean, out of all of the schools she was probably recruited to, she picked Ohio, and for whatever reason, it has been the biggest blessing that this program has received because, like like Bob mentioned in his post-game interview, that 2,000 points is an incredible feat, but to be able to see a triple-double on top of 2,000 points is crazy to think about. So, yeah. Um, yeah. all of that said, I think CC Hooks in the season that – is get chalked up to be, I feel like the season falls a little short for as many accolades as she's been given. You know, I mean, she made week nine starting five NCAA when they did the NCAA women's basketball starting nine or starting five graphic each week. They picked their top five players. Right. You know, she deserves to be on that list every single week. And I understand that they have to rotate players on who's doing well or whatever, but she's someone that needs to be on those lists. And I feel as if because she's in a mid-sized conference and not, you know, a school such as UConn or Louisville or I can't think of any other good women's things off the top of my head. I haven't eaten in a couple, day, in a couple hours. But, <laughs> a couple uh, days is a little bit concerning. I about to say, whoa, no, 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 I promise. I promise, <laughs> I'm eating. I promise you. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah she's, because she's not at a Power 5 school, I feel as if it overshadows her accomplishments. And that's so unfortunate because, A, Ohio's been put on the map in other ways and whatever. But it's a really good thing to be good at basketball. And it doesn't matter what school you go to, the recognition deserves to go where it's supposed to be. And I would even take it a step further and say she has put Ohio women's basketball on the map. Uh, the play with her and Erica Johnson, uh, the coaching staff, they have really done a tremendous job leading and transforming this program uh, really into one of the best and most consistent in the Mid-American Conference. And now the next step that they have to take is coming up in March uh, for March Madness. Right, and even before March Madness, because Selection Sunday is this week, uh, they need to perform in this tournament. And I think, you know, the slogan last year was unfinished business. I get that. They fell short. In 2018, yeah, 2018, 2018, 2019 year, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. all right, numbers, years, <laughs> hard. Uh, they fell short, and they lost in the championship, and that's why the whole unfinished business slogan came into play, and then you get this pandemic going on, and it's even more unfinished business. I wish we could have been able to save the slogan. You mm. know, they didn't, we didn't know it was about to hit us. Certainly, yeah, the team well, didn't. And it, that slogan I, got a little wore out last year, so uh, by a certain, I mean, by a certain wrong, play-by-play but... broadcaster. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's how else would you put that chip on your shoulder, right. back, and batter? Like, how else would you phrase that though? Because it's the perfect. I don't know. In my eyes, right now, that's the perfect way to phrase it. It's just. We used it last year, so you got to think of something new. But how, how about this if one? This is the year. How yeah, about this it, one? It, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it's CC Hook season. Uh, shout oh, out, wait, wait, shout out, Jay Kamada. Uh, miss that guy. I was gonna say, we could go. 
Money. Uh, that, that's that's more on par with this station, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, current current broadcast crew for the uh, women's basketball, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to keep things uh, relevant. Yep. Yep. Anyway, Claire, we appreciate you being on the program, giving us the insights for Ohio women's basketball, and best of luck as you guys, uh, you know, follow the team for as far as they go, and we hope that they go pretty far. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Unfortunately, Brad and I cannot be at the tournament because they said no radio. So Brad is calling the game remotely. As I'm in Cleveland right now, I, I came home because I wanted to come home. And just conveniently, <laughs> the team is here, too. Um, just both teams here, actually. But, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do and following them along on social. And hopefully I can watch the game. Maybe I finesse something and buy a ticket to go downtown. But <laughs> I'm so grateful for are they selling tickets? They are. Okay. It's so weird to think about because so, you'd think the Mac would not sell tickets because they haven't sold tickets for any of the games all year. And now all of a sudden the tournament happens and Mike DeWine says something different. It is what it is. Last year there was no fans at the game. And it was weird because they were the first conference to do that, no fans at the sporting event. And the only team that was there to support them was the men's basketball team. And they were right behind me, chirping up a storm <laughs> as we were playing Western. And it was nice to have them because there was noise. But it was so weird because you could hear everybody across the court. But, yeah, it should be interesting to see how Cleveland pans out. But I'm very grateful that you guys had me on. And it's always nice to talk to my buddies in a professional setting, of course. Right, absolutely. And if you show up and we lose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text you about it. <laughs> Yeah, we, man, we listen. <laughs> listen, Mador. Uh, right? I am not going to be the bad luck team. That's good. I'm not yeah. going to be the bad luck person, and <laughs> that's why I'm kind of hesitant on going down. Because if I'm not there professionally, then what am I really there for? Right. Just to enjoy a game? I'm not uh, going to do that. It's been a I've while since done anybody's that done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Claire. It's oh, great well, to have you on you the airwaves. Appreciate it. Yeah, we got to take a quick break right here on the Sports Fan. Always appreciate uh, appreciate your time, and we'll we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Claire. Yep, talk to you soon. Again, that's Claire Geary, one of the voices of Ohio women's basketball on WUB's thirteen forty, and right now the station you're listening to is nine seventy WATH and ninety seven point one FM. WATH Sports Fan, presented <laughs> by Jane K Contracting. This time of the year, the weather changes quickly. And when you want to know about the school closings, you'll get them on Classic Hits 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Listen every morning from 6 till 8.30 for the complete list that affects you. The school closings on WATH is brought to you by Ohio Health Oblenis Hospital. Believe in we. The school closings when you want them. On your center for winter weather information. Classic Hits 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the Sports Fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. For generations, Made in America has stood for quality and craftsmanship in manufacturing, food production, technology, and construction. The Made in America label has brought our country economic security and our innovations to the world. Made in America isn't just a slogan. 
It's the story of our country, the men and women who sacrificed to build our nation. It's our commitment to hard work, ingenuity, and to making things better than the way we found them. America is ready to get back to work. And we can start by rebuilding our infrastructure, strengthening our manufacturing base, and investing in our businesses and our communities. Made in America means hundreds of thousands of new jobs across the country. It means new transportation, clean energy, and telecommunications networks. It means a healthier environment. National security and economic freedom. That's good for our families, good for the world, and, and good, good for, for our, our future. future. Let's get America back to work. Let's invest in Ohio. Let's invest in us. Learn more at letsinvestinus.com. Paid for by Citizens for Responsible Energy Solutions Forum. The Tumble Tomcats are your 2021 District Champions. Tomcats defeat the Lions 59-48 and have a date on Tuesday with Berlin Highlands. I'm Connor Mills. Join Joe Medor and myself as the Trouble Tomcats head to the regional semifinals on Tuesday, March 9th, against the Highland Hawks. This game is brought to you by Larry's Doghouse, Steak and Shake, Snyder, Fuller, and Stroh, and Shauna Stump of State Farm. Pre-game set for 5:15 with tip-off at 5:30 on Power 105. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Back inside the studios right off of 300 Columbus Road. It's the sports fan, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills on the mic alongside Joe Medor for about five more minutes until CBS News at the top of the hour comes next. Great call from Claire there Yeah, in that last segment. Always uh, always good talking to Claire. I haven't had her on, the sports fan. Uh, that might have been her first ever. But I don't um, think I've ever had her on either. No, but uh, we will have the voice of the Ohio Bobcats, Russ Eisenstein, joining the program on Wednesday. And it's been a while uh, since we've had him on the airwaves. And I know that we had him on a day or two after the Mid-American Conference canceled their tournament which was around the 10th or 11th. I can't remember the exact date. It's been a year. Uh, but that was around the same time I started you know, almost full-time uh, at, at the station. So it's crazy to think about. It's almost been a year uh, surviving and, and thriving in the pandemic. But I shortly followed. Yep. Yes, you did. You had a summer off. You know, I had Andrew Allison on the sports fan a bunch of times. I had Brad call in. Uh, of course, Troy's been in a little, a little bit. But I, what are you talk- I was here all summer. Well, I mean, there was a there was a period where you weren't here. I went on. A, I took a vacation. Well, right. So I had a little vacation, but um, I didn't realize a week was the entire summer. Jeez. I, that's, I, a week is a summer, right? You could do anything Maybe in a it week. Happens. Yeah. But uh, either way, the Ohio men's basketball team. We thought it was going to be Buffalo, right? But thankfully, Buffalo kept on winning. Ohio. Uh, did not have any games because being extra, extra cautious about the coronavirus and about getting any new tests. Uh, so they won't have a game until Thursday, and they will take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. Joey, I know we don't have a, a lot of time, but that is, I think, better of a matchup for Ohio in the first round uh, than, than we could have hoped for. Well, 
Listen to this run Buffalo's rattled off here. Well, they've won their last five in a row, the last three being at Ohio, and then they beat Akron and Kent State, followed up by that. That's a hot team. They jumped from fifth to second in a matter of a couple weeks there, and of course other teams like Ohio, like Akron, had games canceled. So, you know, maybe it plays out differently if they're able to play those games. But, uh, yeah, Buffalo's red hot right now. And, I mean, they came in the combo and just whooped Ohio in that uh, in the last game we saw the Bobcats out there on the floor. But uh, Kent State, definitely still not one. I mean, like we just talked about with Claire, men, women's side of the MAC, two through eight. It's really eh, not I mean, Ball State being the eight on the men's side, you're pretty sure Toledo is going to handle their business with them. But other than that, I mean, all the rest of these games are, are such toss-ups. Uh, you know, Akron Bowling Green, that's a heck of a matchup. Miami versus Buffalo. I mean, that, that should be a good game. And then we have Ohio and Kent State right in the middle of it. And, you know, I, Kent State kind of shot the lights out of the gym the last time they played the Bobcats, beat them 89-79. I mean, 79, that's not a bad offensive output for, for yourselves. But, but Kent State kind of did something that Ohio, who's been one of the best defensive teams in the MAC for most of the season, they just lit them up uh, and where it got hot from behind the arc and just never really cooled off after that. So, you know. Hopefully, uh, this little break once again got them refreshed. They're going to be 100% healthy because, you know, Dwight Wilson wasn't really 100% playing in the last couple games. Right. Preston was out. So, hopefully, this little pause uh, has them coming back out. I mean, we know, and we, you know, when we had Brandon Monty last week, he, he, he was talking about this team at their best is one of the best two or three teams in the MAC. They were picked at the beginning of the year to be that, and they've lived up to it for most of the season. Uh, and, so, let's, and let's not forget what they did earlier on in the season, too. I mean, you know, Cleveland State turned out to be a pretty good basketball team. Right? Yeah, I mean, the Horizon League's not great, but they did win it, or right. the regular season at least. But they beat Cleveland State 101 to 46. Oh, yeah, and they, they whooped up on Akron not much before. I mean, that Buffalo game was their third game in six days as well. You got to take that into yeah. consideration. So they got the time off. Hopefully they come out fresh playing their best basketball, and hopefully they can make a little bit of a run. I mean, this is probably the most excited we've been around this time for an Ohio team in, in a few years now. So Let's see what Bulls can do with that team. Let's see what the Tomcats can do over on Power 105 starting at 515. Regional semifinals, Trumbull Tomcats and the Highland Hawks. We'll have that game for you again at 515 on 105.5. This has been 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. For Joe Medora, I'm Connor Mills signing off. And we'll